Good morning. We are so glad that you're here today. We have been looking forward to this weekend for a long, long time. We're just beyond excited about what God has been doing this weekend, and I think you're going to really be blessed. We have two special guests that I want to introduce you, uh, introduce you to in just a few moments. But before I do, let me just open up our time in a word of prayer, and we'll ask God to do a great thing today. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day, and Father, we are, we're so excited. I am so excited about, about this morning and about the two guests that you have brought to us today. Father, they have become my, my brand new friends, and I'm so thankful for, for who they are and for, for what you've done in their lives. And today, I ask that you would speak so very clearly through each one of them as they share their testimonies, as they share what kind of work they're, they're into and what they're doing. And I ask, God, that regardless of where we're at, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you just stir inside of us? I pray that for each one of us, there's a different, there might be a different kind of an application, but I pray, God, that you would be very, very clear and speak to each, of, each and every one of our hearts through, through these men and through our experience today. So, God, thank you so much. We commit this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to give to Pastor Joshua Kim and to Pastor Jonathan Junker a warm South Bay welcome. Will you give them a welcome? I uh, have been friends with them for only a short time. We became friends just recently, and, and I was so moved and so inspired by their story that I felt like you needed to hear from them as well. So I invited them to join us this weekend for our, for our, uh, our, um, week, our uh, mission weekend. And I want to begin by just asking uh, uh, Jonathan, um, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're from, and all those kinds of things. And then we'll, we'll kind of do the same thing with uh, Pastor Joshua. So, so before that, it's Ohayou gozaimasu. Ohayou gozaimasu. Okay, some of you guys know Japanese, so that's good. Uh, that, we have to greet that way. Whenever we get in front of, you know, church people, we just say, you know, Ohayou gozaimasu. It's just a great way to start. But anyway, um, I'm John Junker. I was born and raised in Japan. My parents were missionaries there for 47 years. Um, I am been a missionary now for 35 years in Japan and 30 years in this same area that I've been serving in. And I have a beautiful wife, a wonderful wife, and then, yeah, there they are. Okay, so then I have a, a son that's going to go to Grand Canyon this year, and then a 15-year-old, and then a wonderful three-year-old. So uh, we have a great. Uh, and yeah. she was a, a nice gift, a surprise. Oh, wonderful gift! We just, yeah, you know, we always had prayed. You know, if God, if you want to give us another one, we'll be good. And I, I never imagined I'd get a daughter. You know, and sometimes you just think boys. You know, and I go, I love dope boys. You know, but it's great to have a daughter. And and where are you a missionary at? Okay, where, yes, where in Japan? Um, uh, we're in Nagano. Uh, if you guys remember, in 98, some of you were probably weren't born then, but anyway, 98, we had the Winter Olympics there, and uh, we were just just like an hour away from... Okay, so there's Tokyo down here. This is my laser pointer. There's Tokyo down here, the end of the arrow, and then you go up there, and that little red dot there, that would be where he's at in the Nagano Prefecture in a city called Matsumoto, Right. Uh, and you're at a church that your, your father started? Actually, the two, the, there are six churches my father started in that valley, and uh, we, I went to one about 30 years ago, and that's gone growing and vibrant, and now we were at a second church about eight, nine years ago. Okay, and this is the church in yeah, Azumino? Right. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful back in the mountains there. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful, that's called the Japan Alps, and it's just a beautiful 
Okay. Please. All right. And, and, and here's some people that, yep. that uh, are part of your church. And we, uh, there's a guy called Mr. Takashi somewhere in the um, auditorium or maybe in the, over in the overflow okay. room. But he's there. He's sitting on the left right there. But he's from our church, and he's here visiting at the same okay. time. So. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Pastor Joshua, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I grew up in Korea. I actually, I was born in Korea, came to California. I did uh, middle school, high school, and college. And I became a Christian in my college. And uh, when I became a Christian, I realized I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So since then, I've been following. And I ended up in Africa, which I didn't expect it to. And I met my wife in Africa as well. I remember when I was in college, I thought this person would be a very good person to get married to. So I asked her this question. If God calls you to Africa, would you go? I, I was expecting yes, because she was serving at a church, teaching Sunday school, playing piano at church, you know. But she said, no way. <laughs> uh, God knows me too well. <laughs> he would never want me to go to Africa. And I knew that she would not become my wife. <laughs> and uh, when I met my wife in Africa, she grew up in Germany. And she speaks perfect German. And uh, at the same time, 1993, God gave us a vision to go to missions, and we met in Africa. So I didn't even have to ask. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, okay? But here's your family, right? This is Sarah, is his wife, and his son, Josh, um, well, your son Caleb, Chelsea, and Krista, right? Mm -hmm. And right. you are, if we could show that map of Africa, this is Africa here. This is Uganda. This is my laser pointer. There's Uganda there. That's where we usually go. But there on the western coast of Africa is Guinea, and that's the country that you're in, right? That's right. And here's a close-up shot of Guinea. And if you, if you go from LAX to Paris, and you go straight down Paris from France to Conakry, which is the capital city, you have to tr travel about 250 miles. That's correct. That's what, 400-some-odd kilometers? Four, 450 kilometers. 450 kilometers takes 10 hours because the roads are so rickety. Um, takes 10 hours to get there, and that's your village. That's yep. where you're at, right? And here's a picture of your village. That's our village where we live. No electricity, no running water. So to get there over the mountains, over the rivers, and uh, God led us there, so we've been serving there uh, since 1993 when God gave us a vision. Okay. So, Jonathan, tell us about how it is that you received the call to become a missionary. Your parents were missionaries, so that's a slam dunk, right? You should be a missionary. Uh, no. <laughs> so uh, I watched my parents. I mean, they really struggled. They had a hard time in Japan. They really served well. But I saw that, and I said, uh, I, I'm not made to become a missionary. I just, I, I'm not like my parents. I can't do it. And they, um, and I went to college, and I was reading Acts 2. College where? Uh, in, in Tennessee. Tennessee, uh, okay. And I was going to college there, and I was reading God's Word, Acts 2, and I came to, and God said, you know what, uh, this uh, Acts 2, 37 to 47, it was it, I guess, mm -hmm. there's a, where God just uh, works in a special way, and we see 3,000 trust in Christ. And he, and he just says to me, you know, John, I would like to do that with, through you, use you. And, um, and I, I didn't think, you know, I was, I could do it. And I really still 
sometimes I just amazed that God would be willing to use me. But I went uh, said, okay, God, if you want me to be a missionary, I'll, I'll be a missionary. But I said, not Japan. <laughs> I, you know, I, and, but then God worked in over four years. God um, just changed my heart little by little. I love the Japanese. Nothing against the Japanese. I just thought it's too difficult. And um, after four years, I went back to Japan as short-term missions, missionary and then long-term. And, and you met your wife there. Is Correct. she Japanese? No, she's not. She's from San Diego. So, uh, and she, How did you meet your wife there? So, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, she was, you know, Yokohama and San Diego have a sister city relationship, and she was one of the first that got a free ride, on a free flight to Yokohama. So she said, yeah, anything free, I'll do it. She went there and says, I don't like Japan. And, you know, all the, the food and stuff, just, it did, you know. Oh, I'm, are I'm, you kidding me? I, I know, I know. <laughs> so, and, and she's, but God, um, and then she went to college, and while she was in college, she had another opportunity to go back to Japan. And while she was there for six months teaching in a, a medical school there, uh, helping in, with English, uh, one of two Japanese ladies said, you're, you're American, you go to church, don't you? And she goes, well, she hadn't been in church like in how many years? Eight, nine years? But she said, well, um, and she, they took her to church, and God used that a small Japanese church to grab hold of her heart. And then she's, she went back there as a uh, JET program, which is a teaching English program. And then God called her to, back as a missionary, using crew, just several things. And then um, while she was in, a, uh, she went there as a, Mid, we call midterm, longer, like one or two, three years type of missionary. And then while she was there, I, I saw her across the hall. And I, and I just, I mean, it was weird um, because I don't usually do this type of thing, but I said, she's the one, you know. And, 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 and God just opened the door one after another and, and just, yeah. We're 12 years apart, but we have hearts just wow. that love the Lord. And the, the biggest thing was she had to love the country. And she had to be able to speak Japanese, and she had to love those. So she has three J's. She like well, two J's. She said first is Jesus, Japan, and then it happens to be John. It's uh, three loves. That's, that's good. That's good. Very good. What about you, uh, Pastor Joshua? I mean, how did you end up in Guinea of all places? And yeah. how did you meet your wife? When I became a Christian in college, our church actually had a missions to Tashkent, Uzbekistan. So naturally, uh, for me, I wanted to learn missions because God is God of missions, right? So before I get married, before I get any career, I, I just wanted to learn missions so that I can be part of God's work. So when I was in college, junior year or so, I made a commitment to go to uh, Uzbekistan. So I studied Russian as well. Strasviche, Dasvidania, you know? I was getting ready, and uh, I went to the pastor. He endorsed it, church approved it. Everything was ready, right? And the mission board said, call us about a month before. At that time, I was doing daily devotions in the morning in the same location that I met with the Lord. And I opened the scriptures, and I was reading. I wrote down the journals, you know, God, you are, and I fill in the blank, and I learned God this today, and I want to do this today for you, Lord. And then as soon as I closed my eyes, something that I never experienced in my life happened. Africa, the word, appeared in a bright light. And I quickly opened my eyes. I thought I was seeing, <laughs> it was strange, right? I closed my eyes, and this light the word Africa appeared, I opened my eyes and said, no, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you know, I'm type of guy, I, I, I have to take two showers, you know, in the morning and night, you know? <laughs> I don't like mosquitoes. I'm not an outdoor person, you know? So I said, no, Lord. But the shocking thing for me was it happened seven consecutive days. When it happened seven times, you know, you kind of get the idea, right? So I said to the Lord, I surrender. If you really want me to go to Africa, I will go. And I said to the Lord, show me. But I didn't think that he would answer. You know, I'm just an ordinary person just like you who are here, you know. I can see myself about 30 years ago, you, you in this room. And I, I didn't think that he would answer. And I said, you know, God is maybe testing my faith. God wants to know if I will surrender, if he does, right? So I surrender thinking that it will never come to pass. I got a call from my college pastor that time. He asked me to come over, so I thought I was getting a great food, right? So I get to his house. I didn't get the food, by the way. <laughs> as soon as I sat down on the couch, he asked me this question. Would you go to Gambia, the Gambia, West Africa? I was stunned. And I told him what happened for seven days, and I said to him, I will go. And two years, I thought I would just go and learn missions. But uh, what happened was I... Being there for about a year or so, it was too hard, too difficult. Climate was too hard. There was no electricity, so I had to sleep in a, this sticky, you know, sweaty place. And it was just physically, emotionally, spiritually very difficult. So I said, Lord, I'm going to finish two years because I committed. But when I come back to the U.S., never again. I will never go back to Africa again, Lord. That was my heart. And then... Second malaria hit my body, and I was really struggling. And uh, in the morning, I got up, and it was my routine of the day. You know, I met the Lord, so I opened the scripture that morning. It was in John 21. When Jesus met Peter, right, who was, went back to fishing, he said, Do you love me more than these? And uh, when he asked that question, it came directly at me, right? Mm. And I just wept. And I said, Lord Jesus, you died for me, and I just want to live a comfortable life in the U.S. And I said to myself, when I come back to U.S., I will never go back. And I just was so, so ashamed in front of Jesus. And I said, Lord Jesus, I surrender. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go anywhere, because I'm a follower, right? So from the next day morning, God gave me a vision to start a boarding school start an M4 mission center and start this program to bring young people out into the village. And uh, that vision that God has given over those 30 days has been all answered throughout about 25 years that happened. And, and I realized God is the one who reveals his plans to his servants first. You know, Amos 3.7 says that the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans. And as a follower, I experienced that. That's why I ended up in, in Guinea, wow. West Africa. So, um, how did you meet your wife? Because oh. <laughs> she's, you said she's from Germany, right? Yeah. So she's, she's German? Yeah. She's a German citizen, but she's a Korean German. Uh, oh. She, 1993, at the time that I was getting that, uh, seeing Africa, she had a similar experience in her church in Germany. So she actually went to East Africa and she was challenged by one of the native. The native of uh, Kenyan, one of the, the seminary students said to her, 
how come you missionaries don't go to the villages and live there? You know, you're a missionary, you should come and live in the village and make disciples there, like Jesus style, right? And uh, she kind of didn't know. She was first time in the mission field. She said, well, I'm sure there is. But uh, over the period that she stayed in East Africa, she didn't see many missionaries, or uh, none, actually. They were in the cities, and they go out to evangelism and come back, that kind of ministry, which is not bad. I'm not saying that everybody should go to a uh, village, right? You know, I learned that Acts 1-8 talks about you know, missions in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? M1 mission, Jerusalem. For you, it will be this area. It's very important, you know? And then to the ends of the earth, it needs to be balanced to finish the task that God has given 2,000 years ago. But for my wife, when the challenge was, came from this native, and she thought to herself, okay, I want to be a missionary to the ends of the earth, to the villages where there is no missionaries. And so when she finished the first term and then came back, and she heard a testimony from a missionary who was from West Africa, where I was, doing a tribal missions. So she made a commitment and she came, and that's where we met. Okay, and you, ju you just met any, like, did you, was your response <laughs> the same as John's? So, he said, so, she's the one. So actually, the, the missionary that I knew told, uh, told me about her, and we met actually for, at the same center, but I was coming back to U.S. to start a seminary, and she was staying. So after I finished one year seminary, came back summertime, she was there for one year. Uh, in the mission field in West Africa especially, people come, but they don't stay for long. Even though they, some of them come for full-time ministry and missions, they, they cannot you know, handle the uh, struggles and hardships, so they usually return. But she was there for one year. And a missionary friend of mine asked me, uh, I think Sarah likes you. What do you think? <laughs> so I said to him, uh, I made a commitment when I was in college reading the book called The Shadow of the Almighty by Jim Elliott uh, story. And I made a commitment that I want to become a woman hater. <laughs> Dating is not an option for me. I want to serve the Lord. If God bring me, brings me a wife, I will get married. If not, fine, I will serve the Lord single. So I told that story to the missionary and said, I would pray for the three months that I'm in the village. Going back and forth from the center, you know, I see her time to time in the center, but I never talked to her because that's the commitment that I, that I made. I will not sit with the woman alone. I, I still do. I'm not going to see with any other woman in this room, right? So that's the commitment that I made, and I was praying for three months, and no answer came. So I thought to myself, and the last day, I was praying for two hours earnestly, right? Because I liked her. <laughs> so, so, Lord, give me answer now, right? And nothing came. So what do you do? Nothing came. So I said, Lord, I'm just going to leave without saying anything to her. And when I opened my eyes, to my shock, there was a rainbow, 180 degree, cover the building right in front of me. That's only about like 50 yards away. So I was so shocked. Lord, I'm going to take that as a sign. <laughs> <laughs> I have a five hours to propose to my wife. <laughs> so uh, You've not even gone on a date with her. No, dating okay. is not an option for me. You know? <laughs> so, so like a uh, uh, coffee machine uh, was down at the center, so I needed to go to the city to make some documents copied. So I asked her, would you, would you like to go with me to the city? And she said yes, and then we got in. I thought, oh, this is great, right? As we are about to leave, 
all the natives that in the center, can we get a ride? <laughs> so this pickup truck was packed with about 20 people, <laughs> squeezed in, right? I said, oh, I'm ruined. There's, there's no way I can propose in this setting. And on the way back, we were alone. And I know guys, you guys don't do what I, what I just about to tell you, right? I didn't know what to say. So I said, Sarah, I heard that you like me. <laughs> I knew I had made a mistake, right? <laughs> Definitely it's not the way to do this, right? And I kind of, oh, how dumb, you know? And then I looked at her to see her response. She didn't say anything. She just nodded her head. And I got encouraged. And I said, would you work with me in a mud house, mud house for the rest of your life with me? And she didn't say anything. She nodded her head. That's how we met. And then we, are, we raised our children in the village like that. Isn't that awesome? So she was probably the only other Korean in the, on the entire continent of Africa, <laughs> and you met her, and without even a single day, got married. And yeah. So here's the takeaway truth, all right? Same thing with you. You met your wife on the mission field. If you want to get married, <laughs> go on a mission trip, Okay. right? Go on the mission field, and you might meet your husband or your wife that you never know, right? What a, what a great, great story. That is. So what, is, what has it been like on the mission field? I mean, what's it been like in Japan for the last 35 years? And tell us a little bit about your dad who, and yeah, mom okay. who started that church, Those, a number so, of churches, actually. Yeah. Actually, it's really neat because um, I've been 30 years in the same area. My parents were serving for 47 years. So I, I'll, I have a, my, my parents' legacy is something. It's sort of I'm building on their legacy. But let me go back to my dad. So my dad was... Uh, in World War II, fighting against the Japanese. He was in the Philippines. He saw what the Japanese had done to the Filipinos, and just and, uh, hate just developed in his heart for the Japanese. He says, you know, I'll go anywhere, Lord, but Japan. And, that's, and he said that. He, he said, I'll, I'll return to Philippines. I love the Filipinos. They're great people. I, you know, I, I love to serve them. I'll go be a missionary there. So um, that was his feeling in his heart, and uh, one day he was in he was in went to college and he was reading God's word and came to John three sixteen and John three sixteen says for God so loved the world, and he looked at that and the Lord just tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know, if I love the Japanese, you should love the Japanese too, hmm. and so that just that little conversation with God changed his heart. Um, he went um, and. Um, Went to Japan. I get sort of teary-eyed because I, to me that was really important. But he um, gets, um, he makes his way to Japan. He actually met my mom, his wife to be, um, on on his way to go to Japan, and they got married in Japan, just like I got married in Japan too. But what was cool is God used that to work, change his heart, and uh, and really that has affected me. Because I believe that God's love compelled him to reach the Japanese. And he was, in 47 years, and we're talking country, folks, and not quite country like you. We have electricity and water and other things. But it's really country, difficult place. One, it was called the Graveyard of Missionaries. Missionaries would go there and not stay a couple weeks, a couple months, couple, maybe a year and then they would move on. They, my parents served there 47 years. But that's the, their love for the Japanese is the same the love that God has given me for the Japanese. 
and I want to see the Japanese reached. And, and tell, us, tell, tell us a little bit about the two cities that your right. dad has churches, okay. Azumino and Matsumoto. Right? So my, mom and dad started, started in Matsumoto, which is, the, you're going to be going there in just a couple weeks. Right. But um, they started the church there, and then dad went up the valley all the way to the top and said, Omachi, started a church up there, and then in Ikeda, and then Azumino. So he, he just would go up there. And folks, it's cold there. It's really cold. And he'd go with his motorcycle in the snow, and, and I mean, freezing cold. And he would visit those places and start his churches. He, he was just an evangelist. He was an apostle. You know, when I look at my, I look at him and say, mom and dad were wonderful missionaries. But what I, they, their burden for the Japanese, like I said, I saw that as difficulty from my side as an MK. It was hard. Uh, they come back really tired and discouraged and stuff. But we saw God work. And there are six churches in the area. Um, the only sort of need or problem we saw is they started these churches, but all of them are struggling. Mm. So there are like 20 or 30 people in the churches, maybe, maybe not even that many for some of them. And so I saw that as it became my burden to say, oh God, how can we see those churches become vibrant and healthy and growing and reproducing churches? Because you don't want just churches there. You want reproducing churches. But you can only reproduce churches if you're healthy. And so that was my goal, and that's what's happened. We've been in Azamino. It was a really struggling church. Uh, it's growing now. It's 50, 60 people, which is pretty good for a Japanese, especially country area. It's the and largest the, church in Azamino. Azamino, maybe even the largest church in the whole area. Wow. So, 50, and, 60 people. And then, and then we started. Then we went to another church about no, nine years ago, and it was a struggling church. One of the the pastor, or he was an interim pastor that was there. He said, um, "This church is uh, the." Worship is like a funeral service. Mm. And how many, you know, how many, well, you know, funerals are special. <laughs> but you don't want church service to be a funeral service. And so, and we've seen it change. God's work in a special way. And now, you know, there are people, they, they want to reach out. And we're seeing, and that's where Pastor and Matt are going to be going to. Yeah, I want to go take a look at these churches and see how we can partner so we can send more of you to these churches. But in Azumino, Pastor John was telling me that in Azumino, for example, there are 100,000 people in that city. 100,000 people, seven churches. Seven churches. Seven churches, maybe, maybe about 200 believers. Imagine that, 200 believers. There's more than 400 people in this room right now. Okay, half of this for a population of 100,000 people. 200 believers, 100,000 people. That's it. Right? Same thing with Matsumoto. Matsumoto 240,000 people in the city of Matsumoto. 17 churches, maybe. And, maybe. Then, and maybe 300. 300, 300. believers. So there, and that's even more. Different. Which means that if you go to the college campus, there might be one believer? Well, every, so every, uh, every year, there's, uh, Shinshu University has 2,000 students coming in. And I would say maybe four or five, or maybe even less, go to church. So there, uh, we believe there's more believers. that you know, They're coming from Christian homes or other areas of Japan, but they don't go to church. And so our, our sort of prayer is how can we reach the college campus? What about, what about high school campuses? Uh, high school campus is just as bad or difficult, too. Yeah. Probably youth ministry... There are no youth pastors. Youth ministries are completely non-existent in those churches, which means, and that's why Pastor Greg was talking about unreached people groups. The Japanese are the second largest unreached people group in the entire world, which means that you can go to a campus and you'll never hear the name of Jesus. So people, the kids there, the adults there, they don't even know who he is because they've never even heard of him because no one's ever told them about who he is. And so it's our desire 
uh, my desire to go there and find out a little bit more about how we can partner with them so we can send a bunch of you there every, every single year. So you want, you want teams to come? Yes. Yes, we, we, we love to have you guys come. Um, we've seen, it's been a blessing for us, but it's really interesting. It'll be a blessing for here too. I, I can, I can okay. promise that we'll, it'll bless your church too. Yeah. Pastor Joshua, tell us about, about where you're at, Samuya yeah. in, in Guinea, the village there. Our aim is a one-on-one -on -one discipleship because Jesus made disciples. As a follower, we just wanted to duplicate what Jesus Christ did. So building, church building is not our aim. Building people is our aim. So one-on-one -on -one disciple has been going well in Sambia village. And uh, when I felt and my wife, wife felt that the church in Sambuya is, uh, can be run or operated and ministered by the native. My wife and I Saturday prayed at the kitchen table. We said to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I want to go and visit Manya village, which is about eight kilometers away. Uh, if, you are, if you want us to go, show us. That was a short prayer that we prayed. And I told my wife on Monday, I want to go visit. That was Saturday evening. Sunday service time, there was a guy named uh, Irondel came to service. He lives about the next building of, to our mud house, right? And he doesn't come often, maybe in a year, maybe two, three times, mm -hmm. but very interested in Christianity. He came that day out of the blue, so I was happy that he attended the service. After service was over, he comes to me and says, Manya people want to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. So I said, today, so I said, please wait here. I ran to my wife and I said, you don't said, Manya people want to hear the gospel. The Manya, we pray for the day before, right? And uh, I asked him, I'm, I'm planning to go there tomorrow morning. Would you like to come? And he said, yeah, sure. So in the morning, as we were going to Manya village, and uh, you don't told me, I sent a little note to the villagers that pit missionary is coming. Because if, you know, the reason that he did that was uh, if they don't, the villagers will go to farming, right? So the village chief and everybody was waiting for this white man to come. <laughs> I became a white man in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't distinguish Caucasian and Asians there. So basically I represent the, uh, you know, Caucasian brothers and sisters here. <laughs> so when I got there, they took out a big drum and they were hitting the drum. It's a drum that they use it for when war times, you know, in the old days, they would collect the villager to come, right? They were hitting the drum, and everybody was coming to, towards where I was. Once everybody was gathered, they were looking at me just like you guys are looking at me right now. And then village chief said this, I'm a Muslim. All our villagers are Muslims, but can you send us missionaries? We are interested to in know about Christianity. Mm. I was shocked. Wow. Saturday, we were praying, Lord Jesus, show us if it's your will, right? For me, following Christ has been not a mystical experience. You know, I read the Bible when I was young, right, as a young Christian in college. But I didn't realize how God wants to reveal his plans in a, such an amazing and practical and tangible way. So that's how it's been experienced in the villages, what God was leading. And one time I was praying, God, you know, uh, I want to reach the world. Because that's your vision, right? Reach the whole world. 
all the tribes and all the peoples. How can I be part of it? And I was praying, and God gave me this uh, small voice saying, you know, do you know how many Onish tribes are left? It was like one of those light bulb moments, right? I don't even know how many, as a missionary, I didn't know how many Onish tribes are left. So as soon as I came back to the U.S., I Googled it. How many Onish tribes are left? I was pleasantly surprised how many brothers and sisters are working, working on this. And I looked at all the statistics, statistics and I found that 1581 was probably the best statistic in the year 2000. And I made an aim that I want to be part of this and to raise up 1581 unreached tribes for the missionaries for these tribes. And that's been our passion. And one summer I was on a home assignment coming back to the U.S. What I do is eight months in the village, four months in the U.S. and maybe Korea and Europe to reach out to the churches, mobilize. I was at a Walmart getting some supplies and I saw this phone, prepaid phone for the first time, right? Great for the missionaries, right? 1495. I picked it up. I called the number they, you know, instruction says. I registered everything and I asked him, what's my number? You know, he said, 815-342-1581. I've been preaching to churches and challenging. Would you be one church sending a missionary to the ends of the earth, right? Would you, be, would you pray with me? And I've been preaching about this for many years, and God even gave me the number. You know my number now. <laughs> wow, that's absolutely amazing. Would you, uh, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. No running water, no electricity, although I understand you have a well now and yeah. some solar panels, so that helps a little bit. Would you, uh, would you, would you receive uh, mission teams from our if, church? If you want to suffer, if you want to lose weight, I guarantee 20 pounds. Because I lose about 20 pounds whenever I go back, you know. And uh, if you really want to experience following Christ, what it means... Uh, our mission project is usually not a project-oriented, but rather uh, common experience what M4 mission is like. So we have 10 days M4 missions exposure to kind of see what it is like, and 40 days. It's for usually college students. 40 days to come and experience what. So missionaries going to the village and spend 40 days and kind of physically, you know, you experience what it will be like. And then there's a nine, uh, eight months, that's when you want to come and teach at our school so that you can uh, disciple. We do a Jesus style, one teacher for 12 students. We don't have a lot of students, but we wanted to form Christ in their lives so that they can become the Pauls and apostles and in, in, for their uh, continent. Here's a picture of Pastor Joshua in his classroom uh, teaching some of the students there. But... Uh, it's, it's a remarkable story. He was telling me that they're so far away that they haven't had a single mission team come out to their location in the last five years because everyone will say, oh, that's just too far, that's just too far. And uh, both of you will be returning back to your, your assignments in uh, Matsumoto and in Sambuya in July, early July. Yeah. And uh, I know that Pastor Joshua said that uh, he would be Glad they would gladly receive anyone that want, from our church that wanted to go. And Lisa Yim, uh, who is part of our church, is the one that introduced me to Pastor Joshua. She told me that she went on the 40-day trip, I think, or something like that. She said she's never been more hungry in her life because she said there's, there's just not an abundance of food there. And so if you want to experience what it's really like, uh, consider 
that. In fact, today at 1.30, you have a quick chance to get a quick bite. He will be just leading a class. He'll be teaching a class, just on, not teaching a class, but just giving an orientation on what it would be like if you were interested in going on a mission trip there. Uh, find out more about it because tomorrow he returns back to Sacramento and then he'll be off uh, to, um, to uh, Africa. So if you want to find out more about it, you know, be there at 1.30. I think we're going to meet in the guitar room. I believe it's one of the rooms here, and we'll uh, do that. So let me ask you this question, uh, and we're, gonna, we're getting close to wrapping it up here, but um, one of the greatest joys and some of the hardships of, of what you've been doing. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about this, and we just asked, um, you know, interesting, uh, my parents moved to this Azamino, or not moved, they started working this Azamino, and they started this church up on the second floor, and dad and mom are, you know, their mom is teaching Sunday school. Dad is down sweeping the uh, front of the church. And as he's sweeping, he sees these two little girls across the street. And he invites them to church. Well, one girl is called, back then was Oana Yutaka. Yutaka's um, Yutaka-chan, we call it Chan. She continued to come to church, coming to church. And then her sister started coming to church. Those two girls got saved, got baptized. God has worked, used them really in a wonderful way. Uh, the mom was, she, she just had, a, she was raising the child, girls by herself. The husband, uh, she, the word she uses is a playboy, okay? Now, you know, he, he just did whatever he wanted to do. And, but we had been praying for them for years and years and years. This is taking like 50 years. So this is like going 50 years ago. So we're praying the whole time. Um, and uh, we didn't see any response. We didn't see, especially the dad. And one, uh, one day, uh, out of the blue, Mr. Oana comes to our, well, talks to the wife, his wife, and then to our pastor, and he says, you know what, I'm going to become a Christian. You know, and we're going, what? You know, and he said, I already wrote a letter to the people and top people in my town saying, I'm going to stop being a Shintoist, which is what that area was believing, and I'm going to become a believer. And it was just like that. Now, the daughters did not believe him, okay? He, you know, you know you've, all these years he's been a dad, he's not been a dad. And so, and what we find out is he was one of those guys that was on those aircraft carriers, well, on those kamikaze, he was going to be a pilot of one of those kamikaze that was going to go into the ships that were coming into Okinawa and other things. He, he had planned it. He was actually the first a mechanic, and then he became a flight, the guy's in the navigator, and then eventually he became pilot and he was going to fly into the planes well the war ended just before that he could do that and he's oh man but he found out that the emperor was not god mm. so then then he then he didn't like you know shintoism he didn't like emperor he didn't you know and he said okay he turned to communism communism was going to be and he just went into communism and he found out communism wasn't the answer then that's where you went to the playboy type of thing. I'll just do what I want to do. And then God got a hold of his heart. Um, and the joy that I get to see is this 50, you know, 50 some years of God working in this family. Mm -hmm. And we see this man come to know the Lord. Um, his testimony, you know, you have you know, baptism. Do you guys do that? Yeah. Baptism yeah. Uh, testimonies? Yes. Okay, it was about 30, 40 minutes long, okay, because he's got a long history. He's now. 90-something years old, 91 years old, 
He just got saved like three years ago. And we're just praising the Lord for what God has done. And so that to me is an encouragement. Now, our Japanese pastor and I, we prayed for the the family we love, you know, for all this time. Uh, My parents, when they heard, especially dad, when he heard that, he was just overjoyed because he's planted a seed a long time ago by inviting those girls over to church. And so that's been an encouragement. I, I, I look at that and say, it's not, nothing's impossible for God. What's the hardest thing? Hardest thing is waiting. Sometimes you're just, you know, it feels like God's not answering your prayers. And, you know, like this man, we've been praying all this time. The daughters have prayed. You know, like I said, they didn't believe him when he said he's going to believe. But now they're seeing the fruit in his life. And he's changed. And so the hardest part is waiting. Mm. And it's just to see, you know, you, you want to see God work like this. You know, I mean, you're saying, man, I wish God would do the same thing. How, how about the impact on your family? Yeah, that's hard. Um, my boys um, were, went to Japanese school. They weren't really accepted there. Uh, we did homeschooling and then online schooling, and it has been really, really hard for them to be. We, we, we chose the country purposely. God is the God of the city, yes, but also the country. And so we wanted to see, we wanted to be a part of that. And because we're in the country, we don't have an international school, a school that they could go to. And so it's been really hard for them in that walk. And um, this past year, we were on home assignment. We were able to go to a Christian school. And we've just seen them sort of blossom. It's been really interesting to see how God has used that. So the difficult part was watching our boys really struggle through that. And some of the churches, like the second church we went to was pretty, it was like a funeral service. So it was hard for them to be in a vibrant church to go to a difficult, you know, difficult situation. And to not have friends, not have other people that they could fellowship with. So that was really hard. Yeah, so here they've been here for a year now on home assignment. They've really been thriving. They've been thriving. Uh, So our next, so our prayer right now is we're asking God's guidance, but we're probably going to be moving to Tokyo for a while. And um, and we're going to try to uh, get... uh, Peter, especially because he has of, a special need. Because of your because of your your boys thriving in this situation, is it hard to go back to it, Japan? Um, yeah, but also uh, he he knows, and we we know that God wants us in Japan. Yeah. and so that's that's not a you know that's not a question. Now, where we're serving is going to be changed. Yeah, Josh, Pastor Joshua, what about you? Probably the greatest joy is uh, seeing just like what uh, Pastor jo- Jonathan shared somebody coming to know the Lord, right? Uh, one time I remember uh, village, village chief's wife was very sick. She was about to die. And that morning, I didn't know that. I was praying in the morning and I said, Lord, I'm about to return to America for the home assignment. But before I go, you know, Lord, today, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And as soon as I pray to the Lord, uh, village chief face just appeared in my mind. So I said, okay, I will witness to the village chief lore again uh, because that passage was about evangelizing that day, right? So I went to the village chief to share the gospel. Said I was about to, oh, how, how am I going to start? As soon as I was thinking about this, village chief said, my wife is sick. And uh, he, even though he said it, it didn't register to me because of uh, Many people get sick in the village. We have uh, funerals almost every other week. My son, when he was about six years old, this is a question that he asked me. Dad, if you die, 
Now it's a serious, right? <laughs> if you die, do I need to preach? <laughs> it was such a pleasant surprise, right? Oh yeah, of course, son. If I die, you need to preach. So death is not a foreign concept, and we see sick people all the time. I mean, our kids' uh, highest temperature they got to was a 107. Uh, 108 is when you get brain damaged. So it's uh, one degree away from my Chelsea, who went to UC Davis right now, uh, first year finishing. It was one degree away from her brain damage. I really thought that the last one, the Krista, I thought she was going to die. You know, she didn't gain any weight for eight months when she was infant, just born. And that was a tough time. So when the village chief said, my wife is sick, it didn't really register. You know, I, I was about to, okay, I need to share gospel. How do I do this, right? And then he said it two, three times, and then he suddenly grabbed my hand. So I was kind of a little stuttered. It's not something that natives do, right? He grabbed my hand, and he pulled me into the room. And then when I saw her lying there, somebody who's dying, you know, she's going to be dead in, in a minute kind of looking, right? And the son was uh, sitting in the front crying. And the people were coming to see, you know, her for the last time. It's a tradition there. And I'm sitting there, and her one eye was on the ceiling. The other eye was on the floor. Like, she wasn't herself. And I, I realized that God wanted me to share the Christ with her at that moment because she needed to go to heaven. And I said to her, Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the price for you. If you accept Jesus Christ now, Jesus promised that Jesus will give you salvation. I didn't know she understood or anything. She didn't look like she understood. And then I asked her something that she could not do was pray with me. Yesu undemeka kisi soro. Kisi is a salvation, right? Yesu undemeka arijana soro, which is a heaven. And then I asked her to pray. Yesu undemeka Kendea soro. Kendea is the healing. You know, I didn't think that God would heal at that stage, but I wanted her to pray to receive Jesus to have salvation, and she couldn't say anything. She couldn't talk. And finally, the village chief was standing. He's a Muslim. It's whole, 100% it's a Muslim village. Village chief said, pray, pray. <laughs> you know, it was funny. Muslim man was saying, pray to receive Jesus. And finally, this woman who was at the verge of dying opened her mouth. But when she started to speak, she stuttered like a woman who didn't know how to speak. She said, And then she began to accept Jesus Christ into life. And then when it came to the part when she said, Give me the healing, Lord, her voice became very, very clear. And and I put my hands over her and I said, Lord Jesus, you heard her prayer. Give her salvation. Lord, if you can, I know you can. Lord Jesus, healing may come. And now I went back home and I told my wife about it. We are about to get ready to come down to the village, to the capital city, and we are flying back, right? So I told her, let's go back to Sierra again. So we picked up all the things that, you know, like vitamins or, you know, things that we had, maybe possibly help her. So we packed the bag and then we went to her about two hours later. To my shock, she was sitting on the bed, eating soup. And then I heard afterwards, right, in the evening, she was walking around the village. 
And then when I came back to the village, right, I wanted to see her. And then when I went to the house, I didn't see her. So I was a little afraid, right? And uh, I, I was kind of reluctant to ask. Maybe she died, right? So uh, I asked the village chief, Where, where's your wife? Oh, my wife went to market to sell bananas. <laughs> it's about 10 kilometers away with uh, like about you know, 40, 50 pounds on her head. She walked that distance to sell bananas and she came back. And she's still alive and uh, you know, they wow. came to the church service once to say thank you. Wow, wow. The Lord is alive and real in, uh, in Guinea, isn't he, as he is in Japan. We got... About one minute left, all right? Just last, what, what possessed you? What compelled you to, to do this? Just the love of Christ, uh, he, he just compels me. He, it just, I want to follow him. Um, he loved me. He died on the cross for my sins, and I want to share that with the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Joshua? Uh, as a follower of Christ, you know, I receive God's joy as I followed him. I mean, Jesus said, my joy may be new, and your joy may be complete. And uh, my encouragement for all of you in this room, make a disciple. That's what Jesus commanded us. And as a follower, I have no choice, nothing to compel me, but Jesus who died for me is enough. So I've been following him, and I'm still there, and I know that. God will lead me to finish the task in our generation, and I want to see Jesus come back. Amen. If you would like to get a hold of either of these two men, let me put up their um, contact information. Uh, Jonathan's uh, information, you can email him at junkerfamilyatme.com. You can email him there, or if you want to get a hold of Pastor Joshua, you can look at his, uh, his uh, website there, uh, teachusmission.org, and you can also reach him through that as well if you like more information about their ministry and again if you can come to the meeting at 1:30 to hear more about you going on a mission trip to guinea please do so uh we'll have uh somebody there directing you to the to that meeting place why would they even do this why would they give up so much why would they sacrifice so much your daughter's got 107 temperature there's no doctor there's not, you don't even have ice to cool her down why would you do that it's because they knew that they know that God loves them because of what God did for them. They're willing to go out and be a follower, and if that means going to the ends of the, the earth to tell others that God loves them, then, then so be it. Did you know that God loves you? I don't know where you're at today in, in your relationship with God, but God loves you. And I believe He brought you here for a reason today that you would hear their stories and that you would hear today from these two missionaries that God loves you. And if you would surrender your life to him and if you would give your life to him and if you would believe that Jesus was God's son, God was the greatest sender of missionaries because he sent us the greatest missionary of all, Jesus Christ. He came to planet Earth and he came to a world that was hostile. It was, was anti-God. It was godless. And this missionary came and, and what did they do? They crucified him. They killed him. He sacrificed his own life. Blood was shed for us, for you and for me, because God loves us. He died, was raised from the dead, proved to be that, proved that he was God's son. And today, if you put your faith and trust in him, 
It'll change your life forever. It may not mean that you're going to go to Africa or to Japan or become a missionary at all. Most of us will never do that. But you can go on a short-term mission trip from time to time. You've got people in your own backyard, maybe in your own home who don't know him, and you can share Christ with them. And I hope that you will be a light and a salt wherever you're at. You know, take away truths, right? Be, be the person that God wants you to be right where he's put you. And don't forget that God loves you. And if you've never received him in your heart, do that today. Receive him in your heart. Just tell him, God, I believe in you, and it'll change your life. Well, I want to ask you two, if you wouldn't mind, Pastor Jonathan, if you wouldn't mind praying in your native language, okay. in Japanese, pray for our church. Pastor Joshua, in your native language, Manika, Manika uh, it's a tribal language. Pray that South Bay would become a 1581 church, 1581 church, that we would be willing to go out and reach those 1,581 tribes have yet to be reached that we could send missionaries out of this place. Would you pray for us? Sure. Okay. え、ゲリさんと皆さんを来週、え、日本に行きますけど、どうかその道も守ってください。そしてこれからこの教会が何ができるかっていう知恵とか、え、考えが与えられるように Pastor Gary Anigala Molube, Difanka Soro, Ilanoro Kaji, Kahina Soro, Ka Arijana Soro, Ika Deme Ka Karandenilu, Soro Yang, Ika Tubaboji, Ka Alanyadi Laka, Alla Tuludi Laka, Kaila Silaye, Ila Ila Molube di Uli, Kaila Silata, Kawa Dunia Fangbe, Kaila Mission di Bang, Iademe. Iademe alamolube yanka hinasoro, an infancasoro, kairasoro, sewasoro, anya lamatarala yesu toro, amena. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys. Would you guys give them a big, big hand? Thank you for being here.